Welcome back to another episode of the Backlog Breakdown. On today's bite-sized episode, we're going to be talking about a 3DS game. Well, at least a re-release of a game that was that came out on 3DS. Uh, the full title is Shin Megami Tensei Devil Summoner Soul Hackers. So that is a nice long name. That, that doesn't even designate that it's kind of the re-release on 3DS. It does have some some upgrades and stuff like that. But before we go ahead and jump directly into the game, I want to give just a, a brief overview of the series and why this has so many stinking names and why half the title is in Japanese and half of it's in English. Um, so it starts off with the original game Megami Tensei, and I think actually I think it's a Digital Devil story. I can't remember. Anyways, the very first Megami Tensei game in this series, there, there were others that uh, were more kind of gauntlet type games. The very first JRPG uh, came out on the Famicom in Japan, and it was based on a novel where a high schooler uh, writes a computer program to perform a seance and summon a demon, and he ends up summoning Loki. Then, um, of course, Loki's a trickster, so what do you expect? All, all kinds of shenanigans happen. People are killed at his high school, all kinds of fun stuff. That is a turn-based JRPG where you're able to recruit demons or monsters that are based on various world religion like religious characters um so i will be referring to them as demons although they could be different thing i mean they could be angels they could be monsters uh but but for the sake of the the way the games talk about them they are demons in the game now this original uh story the book that this is based off of was written in the 80s, and at that time, there was a lot of mystery around these uh, computers. And so the fact that a high schooler could write a computer program to actually summon a demon, to perform a seance, was, um, a, I guess, sort of a cultural zeitgeist at the time. So you have to kind of think about, you have to transport yourself back into that time where, you know, people didn't really understand what computers did, and you thought, you know, it could do all kinds of crazy... Like, have you ever seen war games where you're playing a, a video game and it's you're bombing the war? You know, the, all kinds of crazy stuff. That's the, where the genesis of this series had come from. So that was the original Megami Tensei. The creators of the game at Atlas decided to break off so that it takes some of the concepts from that book, but now it is no longer based on any other property. It just uses those concepts and transports them into its own series and that was the Shin Megami Tensei series that started on the Super Famicom in Japan. Shin meaning like new or super or something along those lines. But basically Shin Megami Tensei is where it's no longer based on another property. It's their own thing. So this is Shin Megami Tensei in the the title of the game. The next title is Devil Summoner. So the Devil Summoner series was a spin-off of the mainline Shin Megami Tensei series. That was a game released in Japan in 1995 for the Sega Saturn. Uh, the first game never made it to America. The second game in the series is titled Soul Hackers. So they actually dropped the Shin Megami Tensei moniker, just called it Devil Summoner Soul Hackers. That game was released on Sega Saturn in 1997. Later, it was ported to the PlayStation 1 and then to the 3DS when it came to America in 2012. So, although we didn't see this game until, you know, late into the two, 2012 is when it was released, it is actually a game that was made in 1997, and you really uh, understand that if you start to play this game. The reason I wanted to give a backstory is because I think this game captures the spirit of the original 
genesis of this series, of Megaten, of Megami Tensei. Because it uses that same concept of these computers are like these mystical, magical things. And so hackers, people who actually know how to program and to hack into computers, they can do all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, you have to, again, put yourself in the mindset. 1997, this was a year before The Matrix was released. Uh, do you remember Jurassic Park when, you know, the little girl in that who knows computers can like control the entire stinking park just because she knows how to use a computer and she freaks out. Oh, it has a CD-ROM in it. And, and so basically it's this idea before, you know, computers were everywhere, before your, your cell phone was a computer, um, it's, it's this idea that computers are these magical things. Soul hackers, although computers have been around, you know, a decade or two, um, it takes the same idea but transports it to the internet. So the internet is this magical mystical place that connects everyone through computers and so you're able to write these programs and to do things that affect the real world even though it's the internet it doesn't make quite so much sense nowadays because we're all used to the internet we use the internet every day but back then this idea of the internet was almost like jumping into a computer and transporting yourself into a mysterious new place and so if the computer the internet and these computers are these magical, you know, mystical places, then hackers are the, you know, kind of like punk sorcerers who are able to kind of do what they want in these mystical realms, right? So the setting of this game, Soul Hackers, it takes place in the fictional uh, realm of Amami City, okay? So that is basically this experimental area in Japan where this company, Algonsoft, has made access to the internet free, and everyone who goes to Amami City gets a free computer with access to the internet and they just launch at the start of this game paradigm x which is this basically sort of like second life program that everyone is able to access through the internet through the magic of the internet through the, their computers at home and it's totally free and you can jump on and you can do whatever you want now the game kind of mixes its metaphors a little bit um that's probably not the right words but you'll you get what i'm saying in how when you go into Paradigm X, you are actually transported into the computer. You're able to walk around. You're able to do things just like you would in real life. Although it also, it, it pays lip service to the fact that you are just sitting down in front of a computer and playing a game. But again, it's really just all part of the setting. If you think of the Matrix, that's kind of what they do there, jacking in and out of the Matrix. It does affect you in a certain way. Uh, although really at the end of the day you are kind of just sitting in front of a computer but anyways the, the at the beginning of the game you your main character he's a part of this hacker group who is able to get himself into the beta test of paradigm x and so paradigm x goes live you're able to jump into the computer you're able to look around and, and meet people in this virtual world and um, this amami city is kind of a training ground because algonsoft wants to launch this for all of japan free internet access and computers for everyone, free access to Paradigm X. Well, of course, with the uh, name of the game being Soul Hackers, you can probably guess what ends up happening throughout the course of the game. Things uh, kind of go crazy. Uh, people have mysterious sicknesses after they spend time in Paradigm X. People don't know what's going on. And you as the main character, hey, surprise, surprise, somehow uh, through a fortunate series of events or unfortunate however you decide to uh, interpret them 
uh, you are able to converse with demons and you're able to join these demons are able to join your party you're able to go on this adventure so this game plays just like the, some of the earlier games in the series it is from first person point of view you're walking sort of like an etrian odyssey type game it's a dungeon crawler it is a jrpg you can have up to six people in your party and Generally, you'll have two humans and uh, up to four demons if you want to. Now, as I mentioned before, I do think that this game has, it's, it's deeply rooted in the beginning of the series. It is a very old school feeling game. And at the time when it was released here in America, its first release was in 2012. And it got dinged for that across, you know, the review scores were not very high because it does feel like an old school game. So I would say that if you're going to check this one out, you do have to recognize when it was originally created in 1997 and don't be anachronistic in the way that you approach this game. So one of the ways in which it does feel old school is that there are multiple systems kind of overlaying themselves throughout the course of the game. In your standard RPG, you have your basic currency and you do in this game as well. But then you also have another type of currency called magnetite. And this basically, you get this at the end of every battle that when you battle demons and whatnot, and you need this currency in order to have demons in your party. So especially in the beginning of the game and towards the middle of the game as well, you're constantly debating, okay, how many demons can I have in my party? Because every step that you take in this game, uh, the, your demons have to consume magnetite. Otherwise, that you can't have them summoned. They'll go back into the computer. So are you going to have a party with four demons? Because you're going to need a lot of magnetite in order to do that. Or should you just walk around with two humans? Then you are very uh, susceptible to the other demons that are, you know, hanging around where you are. So it really limits you in the way, that, like you never feel uh, super powerful, especially at the beginning of the game. Towards the end of the game, full disclosure, it kind of becomes a non-issue. You have so much, it really doesn't matter. Uh, but you're also going to need a full party because... Uh, this is a Shin Megami Tensei game, and they're not exactly known for being easy. So that's Magnetite. One of the other systems is the Moon Phase system. So throughout the game, it has sort of its own little timer, depending on how many steps that you take. The moon changes its phases from, you know, half moon, full moon, all that fun stuff. And that affects how demons react. Um, some demons are really pissed off when there's a full moon, you know, and, and so you're not going to be able to negotiate with them you're not going to be able to get them to convince them to join your team. They might just, you know, want to fight all the time. Some demons might leave you uh, because they really don't like you and the, you know, the moon phase isn't right. It, it, it does some more esoteric things that honestly I didn't even really look into, but there is this whole other system uh, that goes into it. And along those lines, if you played a Shin Megami Tensei game, you know that there's demon negotiation. In order to have a demon join your party, you have to talk with them. You have to convince them that you're worth joining. As I just mentioned, the moon phase plays into how well, you know, you're going to be able to negotiate. And again, full disclosure, I was really bad at demon negotiation in this game. Uh, it felt like I was giving away lots of money and items and they still would not join me. So one of the things with the 3DS version is that you are able to, you know, through a little mini game, you can purchase demons with play coins on the 3DS, and what else was I going to use those play coins for? That's actually how I amassed a bunch of my demons, because there's also demon fusion in the game. So you can gather up demons, fuse them together to get stronger demons. Of course, it's going to take more magnetite. The stronger the demon, the more magnetite they eat in order to stay uh, summoned. So 
anyways, there, there's all these multiple systems that are going on. Um, I mentioned it just slightly earlier. Your demons have different personalities. And so depending on their personality, they might not like you, especially if you're more lawful and they're more chaotic. They might just not like you off the bat. You can't have super chaotic demons and super lawful demons in your party at the same time because they're not going to like each other. Um, sometimes if your demons don't like you, they're not going to obey you. In fact, most of the time, if they're not, if they don't really like you, they will probably decide to do something else uh, outside of what you tell them to. So you have to know what their personality is and then play accordingly. So some personalities, you have to give them lots of gifts and then they'll like you. Um, one of the personalities is kind. So if you have a kind demon, they will like you if you tell them to heal the party, if you tell them to guard in battle. But as soon as you start telling them to attack and use magic, uh, they're not going to like you anymore. And sometimes at the end of battle, they'll just decide to up and leave your party. And that's really frustrating, especially with how difficult it can be to get demons in your party. If they just decide to leave, um, it, yeah, it can, it can get a little frustrating. So like I said, it has all these different systems that are, that are going on that you have to kind of get used to throughout the game. I will say that this makes the game more difficult, more complicated. And this game, it, it, it doesn't have a high, uh, what you'd call a, a quality of life, uh, things that are in place. Um, but I would say that it trades more of like the modern conveniences and quality of life things for the sake of role playing, because it puts you in the role where, okay, yeah, these demons aren't just like my slaves, like they are other characters. I have to kind of tiptoe around them to get them to do what I want them to do. I have to take into account their personality. I have to take into account the moon phase. I have to take into account the fact that I can, you know, feed them with magnetite and things like that um, because I'm playing a role in this world and they are not me. I'm not um, omnipotent, right? I am not the sovereign being of this world controlling everyone. No, I'm this one character and I'm trying to keep, you know, my demons under control. But uh, yeah, it doesn't always work that way. And so in that sense, I respect it for that. I will also say that this game can be a little difficult, especially with instant kill spells. Um, if they hit your main character, you're dead. You get a game over. You have to start over from the last time you saved. That can be really stinking annoying. Um, but it's, it's, I mean, it's a game from 1997. So as much as I, I really was frustrated when that happened, it just teaches you save, save, save all the time. There is a way in this game you can equip certain things so that you can save whenever you want. I would highly recommend it. I abuse the snot out of that because, uh, yeah, there, there were times where you just get beat down by trash mobs in this game. It's, it's, it's not a very easy game. I mean, it's not the most difficult game in the world, but it's Shin Megami Tensei, so it's not going to be easy. However, it is pretty short. I mean, I think my timer was about 25 hours when I finished it which was probably about 30 hours, all things considered with all the, the times that I lost at the game overs and things like that. But still, 30 hours for a JRPG is not that bad, especially not a Shin Megami Tensei game. So in summary, uh, you know, we always try to ask, would we recommend this game? And honestly, like as much as I wanted to talk about this game, as much as I enjoyed this game, I can't give it a wholehearted recommendation. Um, really for me, I played this game knowing where it came from and I played it 
as, I mean, this is the oldest Shin Megami Tensei game now that I've played. It's before the press turn system that uh, Nocturne, uh, Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne introduced. And so you have this more old school dungeon crawling experience in this game. And so I'd say if you know what you're getting into and you're okay with the lower quality of life, uh, you know, can, it's not a very convenient game, um, but you want an idea of what older Shin Megami Tensei games played like, and you don't want to go back all the way to, you know, a, a translated ROM of the Famicom or Super Famicom games, then yeah, I, I would say this is a good time. I think you're going to enjoy it if you know what you're getting into. I'd say if, this, if you've never played a Shin Megami Tensei game before, I would not recommend this as a first game in the series because it tends to get pretty complex. Um, I'd say, especially if you have a 3DS, go for Shin Megami Tensei 4. Play that one first. And then if you want a feel for some old school dungeon crawling and you want to know where this uh, series has come from, yeah, come back to this one. Especially if you like that cyberpunk, you know, 90s hacker aesthetic because it's, it's just fun. It's fun. It's nostalgic. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of crazy. Again, we have these ideas of computers and the internet that are just, you know, they're daily things. But back when this game was made, it really was a, a mysterious thing. And this game plays into that as well. Of course, it's a Shin Megami Tensei game. So things go off the rails. There are much more mysterious forces at work that are going on. This one really leans more into the like Native American Indian spirituality uh, things towards the ends of end of the game um but it's a good time it's fun uh it, you don't have to know anything about the previous devil summoner game uh, it's only tangentially related and then the future devil summoner games were actually prequels uh, and they they throw this whole battle system out the window in favor of more of a tales of kind of battle system regardless uh my thoughts on the game i really enjoyed it I, I respect it. I'm glad that it was a shorter Shin Megami Tensei game. If you're okay with all of those things, then yeah, go ahead and play it, but not as your first Shin Megami Tensei game. Thanks for joining me, and I'll catch you later. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Backlog Breakdown. If you want to join in the conversation, you can email us at thebacklogbreakdown at gmail.com or join our Facebook group, The Backlog Book Club, on Facebook. And on Twitter, our handle is at BBDownCast. Of course, you can also catch Nate and I on our social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and the GG app. I go by Broccolope, that's spelled B-R-O-C-C-O-L-O-P-E, and Nate goes by Nate underscore McKeever. Till next time, loggers, you keep beating down those backlogs, and we'll keep breaking down the benefits. Excuse me, may I have a moment of your time to talk about the wonder and beauty of Chokusatsu? 
see, tokusatsu is a Japanese word for special effects and usually refers to those super fun TV shows you watched as a kid with those heroes wearing spandex and those giant rubber monsters with cool explosions and awesome transformations. That's so cool. I happen to be a big fan of it and run a podcast about the entire genre. So if you could just, like, I don't know, subscribe and, and take a listen to my episodes, I'd greatly appreciate it. It's called Pension Dad Podcast, and it's it's kind of awesome, <laughs> or at least my, my mom thinks so, but she still hasn't reviewed it on iTunes yet, so... But anyway, thanks for your time. Just just check it out, the Hench and Dad podcast. It's on Anchor, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, okay, okay, bye.